I'm just going to say it right now. If you're not going to tell somebody that you appreciate them, if you're not going to tell somebody that you you enjoy them, that you enjoy their company, if you're not going to tell somebody that they're important to you, then shut the fuck up. What's going on? It's your boy, Jeremiah, and this is the Kind of Kidding Podcast. We're up early today. It's a, it's a beautiful early, early Saturday morning. By the time this comes out, it'll be Monday evening, so we're a few days in the past. So enjoy this week's um, time travel experience. <laughs> I think podcasting and radio or anything, anything recorded, isn't that like a form of time travel? That's like, that's like the most realistic version of time travel that we have. Anything recorded. I mean, think about it. It's a moment in time that never changes. What I'm saying right now in this moment won't change in 10 years. If you listen to this in, in two weeks, you're going to be experiencing what I experienced on this day. On the morning of May 13th, 2023, 8.40 a.m. It's pretty cool. Because in 10 years, we could be living in an apocalyptic world. You know, you never know who's going to be elected into presidency. They could fuck this country up. I mean, because it's pretty perfect right now, right? So who knows what the world's going to look like in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. But if um, if you pull up the Kind of Kidding podcast with Jeremiah on May 13th, 2043, you'll be able to experience a beautiful day, a beautiful day in 2023. Why is it such a beautiful day, you ask? Um, well, let me tell you, Dan Snyder is fucking gone. Do you know who Dan Snyder is? Google him. He's a crook. 23 years. No, 1999. 24 years. 24 years I've been waiting for this man to leave. Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. Dan Snyder. Dan, for those of you who don't know, Dan Snyder is, or was, sorry, Dan Snyder was the owner of the Washington Redskins, the Washington football team, the Washington commanders he owned a beautiful a once a once beautiful once proud once prestigious once successful nfl franchise he owned that thing when it was at its at its peak at its pinnacle you know it it just completed not too long ago a super bowl by the time he bought it and he ran that thing into the ground. He is the worst. He is the worst NFL owner in the history of the NFL. He's the worst sports franchise owner in the history of sports franchises. I don't even think that's debatable. He's probably the worst business owner in the history of businesses. 
I mean, I know he made a lot of money doing some other things, but I'm not too sure he ran those businesses. I think he hired some smart people and sat there. And then this one, the NFL venture, I think he tried to be active and he screwed it up. So I'm, I'm telling you that today, May 13th, is a beautiful moment in history because last night, May 12th, he sold the NFL franchise known as the Washington Commanders. And it is now owned by another another uh, investment group, the Harris Investments Group. Josh Harris, the owner of the New Jersey Devils, uh, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, teamed up with a bunch of guys with deep pockets, I'm sure. Uh, Magic Johnson is part of the, the ownership group. And Magic Johnson has won everywhere he's been. As a player with the with the Lakers, he's won. You know, when he was um, part ownership with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, they won. I mean, I don't know if we'll win as a as a Washington Commander, as a Washington football team, as a Washington Redskins fan, lifelong Skins fan, lifelong Commanders fan. I don't know if we'll win. And to be honest with you, I don't even know if that's important to me right now. I'm just happy that for the first time in my life as a football, as an NFL football fan, I woke up with hope, with excitement. I woke up knowing that, well, not knowing because you don't know, but I woke up thinking that I have a chance of not being disappointed for 17 football weeks. I I don't know if if you're a, a fan of the Chiefs or a fan of uh, the Eagles or, uh, I don't know, just uh, the Rams But before the last couple of years. Like, pick a team that's been successful in the last 10 years. You still have hope. You have hope that you can return to form. Washington fans, Commanders fans, Redskins fans, football team fans, whatever the fuck you want to call us, we don't have hope. We don't have shit. We have talent to cheer knowing that it's probably not going to produce anything. And now the entire franchise is rejuvenated, and I'm excited. I'm excited. I know I'm rambling for the last five, six minutes about something you probably don't care about, but this is my platform to tell you how I feel, and I am excited. Hear it in my voice. I'm excited. (laughs) I I couldn't be any more excited. So we'll see how this time travel thing works. Um, or we could just keep listening to the Kind of Kidding podcast and, uh, you know, by November. <laughs> November of this year, you might be hearing me cry about how nothing changes. Same old skins. <laughs> we can't. We're never going to win again. You know, this, that's, that's the life of a sports fan. The life of a sports fan. To cheer emphatically to be emotionally invested to be financially invested just to be disappointed immediately after being elated to being disappointed i love watching sports with people i i i won't watch my teams with other people because the way my emotions is set up the way my temper my temper uh, meter is is configured 
It doesn't allow me to sit in a room with people whose only agenda is to talk shit to me. Let's watch the game and let's enjoy the game. But let's let's be here for the game. Don't sit in a room with me just to talk shit to me for three hours. I'm not wired to accept that. <laughs> but I will go watch other games with people so I can see the wonderful roller coaster of emotion that a sports fan goes through. Cause you don't notice it in the moment when it's you, but when you watch other people, you'll see him go, yeah, that's my boy. That's what I'm talking about. And then 20 seconds later, you piece of shit, get off the court. How are you in the league? I can't believe you did. How are you? Blah, blah, blah. And then a minute later, hall of famer, baby right there. We're going to the ship. And then maybe two minutes later, this is bullshit. You know, let's get sit the bench, trade them, cut them. <laughs> Uh, I think if I was from another planet and I sat in a sports bar and I watched sports fans watch a sports game, I think, um, I think I would, I think I would feel like this is a planet full of psychos, (laughs) psychotic, bipolar, uh, mouth breathers. I I hope aliens are real. I hope I hope before I die there's an alien that's like coming to his senses and saying I can't live in silence. You you can't censor me anymore, alien world. I'm telling everybody we're here. And then I want him to go online or whatever, go on a talk show and just tell the world what he's observed. What has the alien race, what has the extraterrestrial race learned about earthlings? And I bet, I bet it would be just hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours chronalizing. Is that the word chronalizing? Explaining or exposing our psychotic, bipolar, emotionally distraught methods of enjoying athletic events. (laughs) It will, it will, it will expose our behaviors when we root on more athletic and more physically endowed individuals. It will, uh, it'll be a report that shows how the, Average earthling talks big and bad to gladiators through a screen or under the protection of zebra striped shirts, you know, under the protection of the zebra striped shirt guards, (laughs) we get to say what we want to athletes because, you know, if that referee if that camera wasn't there we wouldn't be saying half the shit we say to these these athletes you know i i talk shit about lebron james all the time all the time you know another personal to lebron james i think he's probably a great man but for some weird reason i feel it necessary for me to to voice my my um my displeasure with LeBron James. I'll sit in my living room and I'll talk so much shit. 
If I could afford a game ticket to a LeBron James game, I would sit in the stands and talk so much shit. But you think that I'm really going to say these things to that man if he was two feet in front of me and there were no cameras? <laughs> I told you guys before in a I told you guys before in a previous episode that I'm not really afraid of much. I don't fear too much, except bees and spiders. You know, if a wasp and a spider is in this room, this podcast is ending, and I am selling this house. Oh, and uh, snakes. Forgot to tell you about that one, snakes. I can't do the slithery snake. I don't know why. I tried. I tried. I tried so hard to be a man. I can't do it. I can't do it. A garden snake. A garden snake. Next time I cut the grass, I need someone to come over and just watch. The wasp comes, I run. A jumping spider, I run. A snake, I chase the snake with the lawnmower. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I see, a, I see a little garden snake or whatever. I don't know. A garden snake to me looks the same as a king cobra. Rattlesnake. Uh, I, uh... Yeah, they, there's no difference to me when it comes to snakes. Small little green garden snake or 10-foot uh, fucking python. Exactly the same in my eyes. But I see a snake in my grass. I chase it. I run away from spiders. I run away from bees and wasps. I chase snakes with the lawnmower. <laughs> I'm terrible. I am. T what the fuck was it talking about? Oh, yeah. Athletes, cameras, Th this, this report from this alien, when he's, when this extraterrestrial, when he's reporting to everybody that he's exposing their, 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 um, um, race, they're exposing their existence to us. And he's explaining what he's seen in this world. His main topic is going to be about how we under the protection of cameras, voice our displeasure with everything. And it's not just athletes. It's not just sports. I mean, the examples I have are us just sitting here talking shit to these athletes because we know they ain't going to do anything because there's a camera and they have too much to lose. So you're super brave when you're on these sidelines or, you know, wherever you are watching these games because you know these athletes won't touch you because there's a camera. It's not right. You shut your fucking mouth. You don't talk to people like that. I shouldn't talk to people like that. But I know they're not going to do anything. And when you know no one's going to retaliate, you feel a certain way and you you say certain things. And um, I think it's unfair, but that's the reality. Think about it. If you've ever been to a... MMA fight, not like you, well, yeah, UFC or, or maybe if you went to a boxing event, doesn't even have to be like a top tier thing. It just has to be somebody in your local, your local community. There's an event where they do some local boxing or some lower level of combat sport. When you watch these fights, you pick a fighter, <clears throat> you choose a side and you root for your side, which means you're rooting against the other side and you're talking shit. Punch him, hit him, kick him, choke him. Fuck that guy. Screw him. Blah blah blah. And you come. You, we as a community are very creative in the things that we come up with to say to people. But would you say that 
if they weren't in a cage and they were in your front yard fighting each other and you knew at any moment he could just stop punching there or they could just stop punching each other and turn on you? Hell no. I don't know about you. I'm a Manny Pacquiao fan. When Manny Pacquiao was boxing and beating up people, I talked shit about every person. I've talked shit about every person's family. I've said some fucked up shit under the cover of supporting my fighter. But there's no way in hell I would have said those things about Floyd Mayweather Jr. or or um, Miguel Cotto or, you know, Ricky Hatton. I would have never said anything to those people to their face if they weren't in a ring. (laughs) Well, more importantly, if there wasn't a camera. It's odd. It's very strange to admit. But people are very brave when cameras are on because they know that the likelihood of being punched in the face is slim. I mean, think about all these guys. I'll call them Karens because that's the pie. I hate saying that, but these people that want to be out there talking shit to you while you're at the supermarket. You know, you turn the corner and you bump into someone's cart and they get really, 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 really brave. You think if Walmart didn't have a camera, these people would be talking so loose? I mean, I'm a bigger guy. I'm not, I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the most scary person, but I, I carry myself in a way where you, you, you probably don't pick me as the first person that you want to go punch in the face, but you could say what you want to say when there's cameras, because you know that the likelihood of me acting crazy is very slim because I don't want it recorded. But if you were in my house and we turned the corner and bumped into each other, a thousand percent sure you wouldn't be saying those things that you're saying to me now. And that is an interesting thing in our society. And it's not just American society, it's everywhere in the world. The abundance of cameras and the fear of lawsuits, the fear of jail, the fear of repercussions has really kept, you would think it would keep people's it, it would keep people's emotions in check, but it doesn't. It it uh it silences or what am I trying to say? It um it calms the temper. It calm it calms the temperament of the party that's being attacked, and it enhances the temperament of the party that's doing the attacking. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed when you're watching a a confrontation, the victim always kind of seems to be the one that's not really doing much? I mean, one, it's a little bit, they're they're probably a little shocked, but they're, they're like in disbelief that this person is being so wild and so disrespectful, so uncontrollable. And it's because that, that aggressive party, the attacking party, they know that you aren't going to do anything because it's being filmed. They're banking on the they're banking on the fact that you're not going to retaliate in an equally aggressive manner because they they're hoping you're more afraid of being caught or in trouble than they are. It's 
fascinating to me that somebody who's probably in the wrong feels that they are actually protected because the confrontation is being documented or recorded. When in fact, you would think that they would be the ones that would shut the fuck up because it's being recorded and they're probably on film as being the, 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 the party in the wrong. But the good soul, the kind soul, the soul that probably wasn't expecting to be in a in a argument today, they're hoping that this camera is catching the wild person acting like an idiot and they could use this as a way to protect themselves one day. So both parties feel protected in a sense by the cameras. One's protected because they're the victim and they're they're trying not to do anything that makes them feel like an aggressor so they could use this documented um, th- this filmed event as a way to get themselves out of trouble or win whatever court case that that's probably coming. And the other party is the, the aggressive party is using this, this camera as protection against being physically beat up because <laughs> they know what you're, they know you're trying not to get in trouble for things. It's, I don't know. It's wild to me. Go on, go on Instagram, go on the Tiki Talk, go on all the social media outlets and look at the people that pull the cameras out. Those are the ones that are screaming. The person with the camera is the one acting wild. <laughs> I actually don't know where I was going with whatever I was talking about. I was talking about some athletes. I was talking about talking shit and, you know, I talk shit because there's cameras and blah, 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 blah. And I wouldn't punch people in the face if they were in my front yard because they're MMA fighters. I don't really know where I was going. I got on this little soapbox here. I think my point is, I I think my point is, is that we as a community have a problem. And the problem that we have is we feel entitled. We have this sense of entitlement, like, like we, we feel like it's our place to tell everyone how we feel about everything, whether they agree with it or not. And when people don't agree, it becomes combative. And when it becomes combative, there's no fear of the, uh, uh, there's no fear of, of bad things happening because it's being filmed. And you feel like, or that person feels like no one's going to challenge my thoughts and my opinions because we're being filmed. And then when someone does react, now that person's now that's the bad guy. You know what? I think where I was going with this is I, I thought about this this week. I, I, I really do think I went down this path subconsciously because I've been being bothered. I've been being bothered by something. And it doesn't have anything to do with cameras. I know I just spent the last 15, 20 minutes talking about cameras and how society does things and, and, and acts a certain way because they feel that cameras are going to protect them in a way or, or help expose a different party for whatever they're doing. I I don't know, but, but what's been bothering me, what's been, what's been eating at me recently does have to go does have to do with what I was talking about a, a, a few moments ago about the the sense of entitlement. I don't even know if entitlement's the right word, but the the idea that people feel the need to tell everyone else how they feel about you or how they feel about 
a situation. There's the days of just seeing something and keeping it to yourself because it's not kind to speak about it. Those days are those days are over. You know, when 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 phone when phones gave us a platform, when apps were created to be to be placed in our pockets, it gave everybody a voice. And I think everybody should have a voice, but I think it should be within reason. The moment a Facebook, the moment an Instagram, the moment a TikTok, the moment um, you know, whatever else was out there, MySpace, um, God, I'm sure there was some others, but the moment that those apps, those services became a a a an outlet for people, the world changed, like literally overnight. People who shouldn't have a platform to the world now had a platform to the world. The inspirational and motivating folks, congratulations. We needed you to have this this uh this opportunity to type some words on a screen and post a picture and uplift me. But those bullies of the world, those uh bottom feeders of our communities, they also have the same platform. And they're using it in a hurtful way. And I don't mean to get into my feelings. I know this isn't like a a cheery, upbeat, ha ha ha, Jeremiah tells some jokes podcast. I'm sorry, today or this week or or this episode, episode 15. Fortunately for me, this is a platform that I now have to share my experiences. But unfortunately for people who tuned in to hear a joke, we kind of missed it this week. And I'm really sorry. But if you're tuning into this episode, I hope it's because you're invested in me and I should share my experiences with you and hope that it helps. So um, I just wanted to throw out a quick apology for this not being a comedic, <laughs> a comedic 40 minutes. Um, but what I was trying to say is now everybody, because of this, this, We've been conditioned to type some words and tell people how we feel about everything. Sometimes we forget that we're not online. And 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 the hurtful things that you say online to people now come out in real time out of your mouth next to a person next to a person that you wanted to attack but forgot that they were close to you. Look, I know I sound like I'm crying here, and and what I'm talking about is is kind of silly. I don't want to say silly. Okay, some backstory. I grew up an American. I grew up an American abroad. Okay, I lived in Europe for damn near 13 years of my life. Uh, the majority of my formidable years have been spent in Europe. And as you can imagine, the world at the time, well, even now they were mixed. They had mixed emotions about what it was to be an American. Are you good people? Are you bad people? Are you bullies? Are you the world's police force? Are you egotistical? Are you friendly? I mean, think anything just, think it up and people thought about it good and bad 
Um, I have tough skin. I don't cry about much. I'm crying right now. <laughs> I'm I'm crying to you right now, but not a lot bothers me. Like I told you before, I find humor. I find humor in everything. I everything in my life is funny. At the time, it might not be funny because I'm emotionally, you know, distraught about it. But I can turn every negative thing in my life into a joke. And from what I've learned and from what I've read and what people have told me, that's a coping mechanism for pain. A lot of people out there that joke about things might actually be hurt by those very same things they're joking about, but it's easier to laugh at it than to cry about it. Um, so take that for what it is. But I've, I've been beat up in my life, okay? Living overseas, being an American, being different, brown skin, living in a white world of Italians, Spaniards. I mean, you just you just look different, and then you speak different because you're speaking English. And then you're dressing different because you're you're dressing like an MTV rap video and and not um you know not whatever the the community that you're that you're living in is dressing like you you look different. So I've been beat up for being different. I've had opened coke cans thrown at my face. Like walking to school and and people holding blankets or, or sheets with spray painted on it. Yankee, go home. Okay, imagine being, imagine being 15 years old and walking to school through a town that you've lived in for years. And those same people that you were playing basketball with, the same people that you were playing soccer with, the same people you were enjoying a, a, a town festival with are now holding up a bed sheet with the words, Yankee go home. And you're 15 and these are the people you thought were your friends. And then you you look at these same people and they're hurling, they're throwing unopened soda cans at your face. I'm being spit on. I was beat up and peed on. I'll, you know, whatever. I'm 39 years old. I'm not going to pretend like shit didn't happen to me. I got pissed on after I got beat up. That's fucked up. But you know what? None of that hurt me as much as the passive aggressive bullying that I get in my life, even at 39 years old. It's crazy to think that I would prefer. I'd prefer someone walk up to me and say, Jeremiah, I fucking hate you and punch me in the chin. I would prefer you tell me as a man or as a woman, come to me, tell me how you feel about me. Let's do whatever that that interaction yields. But I know where we stand. I know we are no longer friends and we move on with our lives with that being that that is now obvious. You don't like me. 
Let's move on. Let's not fucking pretend anymore. But to have people that you think are your friends, and I still think they're my friends, passively pass judgment on you because of how you look is is very hurtful to me. And it's a different type of hurt. I've been race, you know, I've been... I've been racially discriminated against my whole life. Not as often as, you know, others. Luckily for me, I've I've sought out some loving people in my life to where I feel like most of the people in my life love me for me and accept me for me. So so at 39 years old, there's not too much racial issues that I deal with in my circle. Yeah, you go out into the communities and you mingle with some people who still don't accept you. That is what it is. I can, that rolls off my shoulder. That shit does not bother me. But to have people that I love or people that I enjoy being around pass judgment on me because I'm big, you know, I'm fat. For some reason lately, this year, these last few months, I feel like that's hurting me more. (laughs) You know, that's, my feelings are being hurt more. <clears throat> Excuse me. My feelings are being hurt more coming to the realization that my years on this planet, my years of life, the the amount of days I have left to breathe dwindle every day. And I did not do a good job taking care of myself over the last 30 something years that now I have this issue where I have to really pay attention to my weight and my health. And I know that I woke up one day and said, damn, it's getting harder to do this. I'm running out of breath to do this. I'm telling a story and I'm getting tired. That's never happened to me. So when I'm realizing this shit, it scares me because I'm halfway done with my life and I'm starting to feel like it. And that's, that's uncomfortable for me. So I know I need to make a change. Things have to change. And then all of a sudden, the people who I thought accepted me for being me are now passing judgment on me because I'm bigger. And I, and I don't want to get into the specific things that were said because because I still feel like I want these relationships in my life. And I'm a little worried that if uh, these people hear, hear these situations or if they hear me, me voice my displeasure, they'll take it the wrong way. Cause I'm not angry. I'm not angry with these folks. I'm not angry with these people. I, in a weird way, I kind of appreciate it because I'm really motivated now to lose some pounds. I'm really motivated to be more active I I kind of needed my feelings to be hurt in order to wake up and and start making you know moves, start making start making steps to change. But it still was unfortunately a byproduct of how the world works right now is you feel sometimes feel it's your place to tell people how you feel about them and in my opinion unless you're telling them that you love them you should shut up 
I'm just going to say it right now. If you're not going to tell somebody that you appreciate them, if you're not going to tell somebody that you you enjoy them, that you enjoy their company, if you're not going to tell somebody that they're important to you, then shut the fuck up. Okay? That's that's my personal opinion. Now, if you have a close relationship and you're legitimately worried about their health or you're legitimately legitimately worried about the path they're going on, then yes, obviously pull them aside and say, hey, I'm worried about you. You're, you're acting wild or I'm worried about you. Your decisions you're making aren't like you. Let's talk about it. But be direct. Look that loving member of your life in the eyes and tell them how you feel because you love them. Don't look them up and down and passively bully them. It's fucking hurtful. Be upfront with people. Be honest and be direct. If you're worried, you're worried. If you have an opinion, you have an opinion. And if you have a close enough relationship, share it with them directly. But that passive aggressive shit, to, to say things under your breath, to, to make a little joke about it because you want them to hear it, but you don't, you're not brave enough to tell them how you really feel. All that sounds like you're talking shit to me. And I'm a peaceful soul. My aggressive nature has been, has been tamed. There's too much in my life that I have to lose to get physically combative because you don't like how I look, but I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't hurt me. And a bear's a bear. You poke it enough. It's going to get pissed off. So, so I don't, I don't really know how to transition <laughs> from this. Uh Normally, I like to do the little sandwich thing. Let's talk about something serious. Let's joke about a lot. And then let's talk about something serious. Or I guess it's the other way around. Let's uh, let's joke, talk about something serious. And then let's joke again. And I say goodbye. And then six or seven days later, we do it again. But I really don't think that there's a great transition from something like this. This was pretty, this was pretty heartfelt for me. This is pretty personal to me. You know, there's a lot of people out there that don't have weight problems. And this was probably not an enjoyable 39 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. I hope you're my friends. I hope everyone listening right now considers me a friend and they take what I said today at face value. Jeremiah is upset with some things that were said. His feelings were hurt and he's not the type of dude to just go beat people up over it. The message today is Love your people, be a friend, and if you can't accept them for who they are, stop being around them. Stop pretending. You're obviously not friends. You're just friendly. Anyway, next week I'll be back with uh, <laughs> with some more lighthearted. Let's make next week. Let's make episode 16 next week more fun. I'll I'll write some things down over the course of the next five or six days and, and try to try to entertain in a different way. I, 
I just wanted you to feel me on a different level today, and I and I hope you do. Okay, so I'll see y'all next week. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, thank you again for for tuning in today. Everybody who's liked my posts, everybody who's uh, rated and reviewed my podcast, I really do appreciate you from the bottom of my heart, as honest as I possibly can be. If you are listening to these words at minute 41, you are important to me. And I hope you understand and I hope you know that. So keep doing what you're doing. I truly, truly appreciate it. I hope you guys are back next week. That's the podcast, everybody. This was Kind of Kidding. I'm the Jeremiah, and I love y'all.